Hello, Hamilton, and hello, McMaster. This is the Purposely Offside Sports Show on CFMU 93.3, and this is our first ever show. And let me tell you, we are extremely excited to be here. My name is Brian Georgievsky. I am joined alongside Anthony DiNardo and Jordan Battaglia. What's happening, gentlemen? I'm just super fired up to be here right now. First show on 93.3. We're in the studio. It's good times. Let's keep it rolling. Very excited to be here. Very excited to be alongside you, gentlemen, for the journey. Hope everyone's having a great day and a great commute. I hope everybody has a great week. And we are focusing on local athletes, local sports figures. And this gives all of those individuals a platform to come on our show, discuss their upbringing, how they got into their specific sport, where they are now. And, uh, and we have a fantastic guest lineup uh, over the next uh, couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, yeah. This is a, it's a sports show, right? And what better way to you know, showcase local talent than having a conversation with them? Totally that's what, agree. That's what the show is all about. And we have it's to thank the program, programming department here for allowing us uh, this platform here. So big shout out to them. Again, 93.3 CFMU. We are the Purposely Offside Sports Show. So, I mean, this kind of, this idea all kind of came together within the last two weeks or so. We, you know, we wanted to get on radio. We wanted to talk sports. And then we came down to our orientation this week. And, you know, there were some nerves Want to sh- share those nerves with us, Brian? So we got down here just before 4.30. Orientation was supposed to start at 4.30, okay? Traffic, you know. Traffic, commute. I get here, parking completely shut down. No parking anywhere. So I'm already running a little late. Finally, I find some parking at this new building right next door. Perfect. I wheel down. I get my ticket. I park underground, okay? Now, there's a stairwell a little out of, out of the way. Or I could just follow the car up and wait till they pay and then just walk out with the car. So I'm waiting behind the car and there's no way to go around. It's very, very tight there. So the car pays and it goes through and I start walking. Now out of the corner of my eye, I see Donardo. Now I'm excited. There's Anthony. I'm super excited to see him. Next thing I know, I'm on the ground. My glasses fall off. <laughs> my teeth almost feel like they're coming out and they're a little loose. And I'm bleeding from the mouth. Almost like a So friend, do you know, thing. like when you park underground, that stick... Yeah, that goes that up. Pole. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. It's a pole or a stick. I'm walking into campus. I just parked down the street on Klein. I thought someone popped a tire. Right as they were driving, all I hear is like a pop. I'm like, oh my god, someone's someone's tire popped. Right. I look over and like Brian's like holding his head. <laughs> this metal <laughs> pole. You got, you got clocked by the. But you got this thing. By the stick. You know how some come down really slow yeah. and there's padding underneath. This thing was like a rocket ship. Boom, right on the head. And I, again, there's like 30 people walking around. And I'm sort of looking up. And I don't know if they know what to, how to react. They're laughing. Some are like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Meanwhile, I think I'm concussed. He comes over. He's like, was that, did that thing just hit you in the head? Was that, was that sound you? Was that you getting hit? So I have an upcoming wedding. And I honestly thought my face, I thought I'd have three teeth missing. I thought I was concussed. I'm bleeding from the mouth. The, the, the security, though, not to the security guard, the uh, the parking officer was like, rolled down his window and said, Hey, are you all right? To I'm, Brian? I'm playing it off cool. Like, yeah, I'm good. No worries. But I, I truly thought a couple of teeth were gone. I thought you were concussed. And I thought I was concussed. So that's how my walk to the orientation started. Fantastic Nerves, man. Well, it's a good thing we're on radio then. So we didn't have to, uh, you know, it's not like you're going on camera or anything. 
I have to cancel if that was the case. Because I this beautiful face, I need to protect. For years, I've been like looking at this pole or stick, whatever that is. And I'm like, I've always wondered like what would happen if it hit someone. And now I now you I almost know. die. You get yeah. concussed and your teeth come out pretty it, much. It reminded me of the uh, the Mr. Bean episode when he's trying to <laughs> not pay for classic, parking. Classic, classic. Love the bean. So anyway, that, that was my quick story into how I walked over to the orientation uh, a couple days ago. But I think that's a good segue into getting to our first guest. What do you think, gents? Yeah, that's a great segue. Great segue. So, Who's this our guest, first guest today? This guest that we have, we are extremely honored and excited that he's here. He's born and raised in Hamilton, Ontario. And he's represented Canada worldwide in athletics. He was the Athlete of the Year in 2013 at the University of Guelph, multiple-time medalist at the Canadian National Championships, competed at the World Championships in 2013 in Moscow. He's a 2015 Pan Am athlete, a 2016 Rio Olympian representing Canada. We're proud to introduce Mr. Anthony Romanu. What is happening? Yeah, uh, speaking of radio faces, I've got one. So I can uh, agree with that. you got a good radio face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me, guys. Anytime. <laughs> How's it yeah, going? Thanks for being here. I guess uh, ready to just jump right into it then. Um, you know, Brian just went through your illustrious, I guess, uh, running career. You're an Olympian as well. But um, I guess to sort of jump right into it, uh, why don't you just tell us how you end up get, you end up getting into the, the sport of running? Like what made you love the sport so early on in your life? I was good at it. I think that's pretty much how anyone gets into running, honestly. Yeah. What, what age did you what age did you start and what age did you know uh, that you wanted to well, make running a thing in your life uh, I think uh, when I was younger my dad he, well he's always been a track coach so he was always pushing us to do the races in elementary school and uh, when you're winning the races you're like yeah when I get to high school I'll probably start taking this seriously and then that's pretty much what happened my, my brother was a really good high school runner and I was in grade 9 when he was in grade 12 so he kind of showed me the ropes and uh, just you know, you just kind of, you get there, oh, cross-country season, I think I'll run, win a few races, pretty good at this, I'm going to keep going, and you take it more and more seriously. Uh, it's a lot It's it's a lot easier to have fun when you're winning, but uh, uh, over time, I you know, you grow to love it a lot. Uh, I don't know if that's just because it gives you an avenue to continue playing sports when, you know, you, you don't get drafted in hockey, soccer doesn't go anywhere. Uh, all of a sudden you're like, maybe I could get a scholarship or I could, you know, I could do something active in college at the very least. So you start to appreciate a little more. And uh, that's, that's pretty much what happened to me. And that, that's pretty consistent with most runners. Um, yeah. So you were like, just safe to say, like growing up, you were always the fastest kid in school. Definitely. Yeah. There was, there, there was enough challengers to to fire me up oh i could beat you yeah like, and, a, like, a, like at recess <laughs> during school you have those little, little races it started there and then you 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 know in you go to the to the school meet and then some other someone you know at another school is like oh my friend's so fast man you're gonna lose and you're like yeah right I, I, <laughs> let's get this done and then uh so you know i, I and then I, you just yeah. dust them like <laughs> brian got dusted by that pole in the parking lot <laughs> that's what i think about every time now <laughs> that pole <laughs> Did you, a, did you compete a lot of, uh, against your brother when you were younger? You said he was uh, obviously a runner. He mentored you. Uh, did you got, Were you guys very competitive And when you guys actually both got into running, whether it was in high school or, or when you were even younger? He was old enough for it not to be an issue. Um, when I was in the 10th grade and he was in first year university, I kind of 
be, sort of became level with him. Um, but honestly, it was in a big part because he helped me so much. Um, I didn't have to, I didn't have to go through the same learning process that he did, and uh, I actually, you know, had him to train with and stuff. So it was, you know, I'm going to keep up with Chris. That's what I was going to do. So, um, yeah, and and also my little sister runs too. So it was kind of a family thing, and and we're all competitive a little bit with each other, but not directly. Just more, just like uh, watching each other. Right on, man. Shout out to Olivia and Chris. Right yeah, yeah, absolutely. Great uh, running family. And and I, what are the chances? that one of us could just demolish you in an 800 meter race like fairly high i'd say 90 <laughs> percent uh if you guys all ran against me in in pieces of the race i would i'm sorry i would still beat you by i'm by gonna go zero percent yeah. because i just raced one of my students and he was a g-hack gold medalist and he he rinsed me <laughs> i'd be beat off the line i was beat off the line i'd be beat off the line I tried an 800 meter race a couple years ago when I was in peak shape, and honestly, throughout that race, I thought I was running like a 140. I'm like, "What? Romanu runs the easiest race in the world," and I finished, and it was like three minutes. He runs like a 145, and I was three minutes, it almost yeah. double what he runs. And I thought during that that I was just crushing this. Yeah, zero percent. Brian once pinned me in a in a wrestling match, though. So there's that. Oh, he has that on there. <laughs> yeah. So it's. It's not every day um, that you know a radio show can have an Olympian on. So let's let's focus on that because I'm really I'm really interested in that. Um, at what point did you like truly believe you would become an Olympian? It, I think the the desire, the sort of the dream, so to speak. Um, you know, it like like very cliche. It starts when you're watching it as a kid. You're like, that's I want to do that for sure. Um, and then as soon as you start taking it seriously, that's definitely the goal you're striving towards. Um, it's like the big thing. Uh, the The 2012 Olympics, I was still um, developing, uh, so I wasn't there. There is a, a time standard you have to hit, and I was a few seconds off of that. I ran the Canadian. Olympic trials that year, I came fifth, you'd have to come top three to qualify. So I was, you know, I could sort of taste it a little bit, like that's where I want to be. Um, and then, you know, I made the world championships the next year, I ran under what would have been the Olympic standard in 2016. So in 2013, I felt for sure, like, okay, I have the ability, I can do this. That was, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, 2016 rolls around, I had already been at that level. So I was confident, you know, get into shape, get the job done, you're going to go, you know, like just get one of those spots. So, uh, you know, that year I just, the plan was just hit standard and I hit it in June. And, you know, once you got standard, it was like, all right, that's one half of the job done, get to nationals, qualify for that team. So that year you had to come top two. And, uh, and, and that's what I did. So it was, I came second and you know, that you're like, ticket booked man that's and and, and it, it like i said it was it was very in in my own way it was perfect it was very professional like I, that's yeah. that's kind of how i approached it but obviously the emotions are a huge part of it too. i was gonna ask like what, what was that feeling like once you finally realized i I've, I've made it i'm going to the olympics like what was going through your mind at that point 
it, for me, and this is like in a lot of other ways as well, um, it doesn't hit right away. It's the, you know, the emotional impact. Um, it took a long time for me to, honestly, it, I didn't, it didn't really even sink in until after the whole thing, the summer was over. I had gone to Rio and come back. And I think it, it, in little pieces, it was like, oh man, I, I really did that. That's, that was something I'm, I'm proud of myself. You know, that's how, that, that, yeah, it, it took a while. So you, you get on the plane. So you, you were in Rio uh, 2016. You get on the plane uh, to fly to Brazil. You land. What happens? Uh, long flight. And then airport, there's uh, like basically like paperwork kind of. You have to get your ID and stuff. And then get on a bus and you drive. I think the drive was like 40, 40 or so minutes to the village. And so we were all pretty tired, but I was like, I, I, I couldn't sleep. I was looking around, like just checking out the city as we drove by. And uh, I mean, never been to South America, never been to Brazil, obviously. Uh, so just keep my eyes wide open. And uh, and then the village, you know, I had been in, in, in athlete villages before, so those are usually pretty consistent. Um, so it wasn't a huge surprise there, but uh, mostly you're thinking... <laughs> Okay, I gotta get some sleep eventually. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta rest up my races in a few days, um, especially before your competition. You're almost trying to like just focus on what you know, which is you know, uh, training, like getting ready for your competition, focusing on that, and then afterwards, it's like, okay, I can enjoy it a little bit after it's all done. Are you sorry, Jordan? Are you trying to take that all in? Are you making a conscious effort to look around and, and, and soak up all of what's happening around that Olympic experience? One of my uh, old, uh, friends who had been to the London Games told me, like, after your race, if, you know, let's say you don't qualify, move on or whatever, whenever the last time you're going to be in the stadium is, make sure you take a moment to just take it in. Look around because, um, you know, you'll never be in that moment again, obviously, and it's, and it's something you've been working towards for a long time. So that's what I did after after my, my heats. I, I stopped and I just, uh, you know, I, I looked around and, and I thought, all right, well, you know, uh, remember this moment. And, um, and it was pretty special. It was, I was disappointed after my race, but it was still, I still allowed myself to enjoy it because I knew it was important. Did you find it difficult, uh, to prepare for your race? Cause you mentioned that it was your, your first time being in South America, obviously the first time being at the Olympics at such a grand scale. Um, how difficult did you find it uh, was to prepare for, for that race? I had an injury going in actually um, for the like the four weeks leading up to the games, so it was pretty stressful. Um, and uh, the actual travel and stuff itself, the new the new environment, wasn't as as much of an issue because I I have competed at like what you would call major games, world championships, Pan Ams, and stuff. So. It, that that side of things I wasn't too focused on. Um, I knew what it was going to feel like. Um, I knew I was going to be sleeping in an unfamiliar environment. I knew that there was going to be a lot of travel. I knew that the track I'd never been to before and stuff. So I knew there was going to be, you know, it's going to be a big stadium and everything. But um, it, it just, so uh, for um, me personally, it was very much just, okay, like, let's figure out this, this Achilles problem. Let's, uh, let's stay focused on, on the race. And um, that kind of took most of my attention. Now, so day of the race, you wake up, I'm sure, you know, you have your breakfast, you, you do your, your normal stretching and warmups. Take us through like what's going through your mind as you're getting to the stadium, as you're doing your warmups and leading up to that race, then maybe take us through the race. Like what's going through your mind? What are that, what are those emotions like? Um, 
it, I actually, honestly, I actually cried a little in my warm up, which is, I'm just thinking about it now. Uh, mainly uh, pride or fear, a little bit of both. It, oh, it was, it was. Um, I, I'd call it joy. I was, I was, I went in really positive. I, I was like, because I had been in this situation before, and and my nerves got the better of me in that at the World Championships, and I, I wanted to enjoy it, and I know that I I perform better when I'm just like feeling good, feeling happy. So I was really in a positive state of mind. And uh, uh, in, in the race, the, my heat was the world record holder, David Rudisha, who's the who was the two-time Olympic champion and everything. And so it was, it was, I was a little bit like, wow, this is a, this is a huge deal to be racing David. And, uh, and yeah, the, the, you know, waking up the whole experience from, from start to finish was, um, it was powerful. And, and, you know, like you said, walk through it, like, um, like I, I focused, focused on what you got to do at the same time. It's hard to ignore that you're at the Olympic games, that you've been thinking about this you're, for a very long time. Um, you know, every moment is like, you know, you're living that dream. Uh, that's definitely hard to put out of your mind. I think for me, the way that I just sort of handled it, you know, oh, wow, look at this. I got my Olympic bib. Look at this. I'm putting on my Olympic singlet. Like yeah. it, those thoughts are running through your mind. Um, I'm literally sitting next to David Rudisha, world record holder. Like I'm going to get out onto Olympic stadium. Now uh, you're being introduced. I did push-ups on the start line, which was something, <laughs> I don't know, something I do, I guess, uh, uh, you know, that whole, that whole thing, all of those steps. Um, I, I was just thinking, just enjoy it. Just do your best. Enjoy it. Be positive because you love what you do and you only get to do this maybe once. So, um, yeah, that, that's how it was for me. Hey, I was crying from home too. That makes it feel any better. I was bawling my eyes out. I was I was watching um, your race, and uh, man, I was just super super proud of you. Excited, um, you know, to see someone that I know, you know, in, in the Olympics. That was a really cool feeling for me, and I can only imagine the feeling for you being there and and you know achieving that goal that you set out for yourself. We're with Anthony Romanu on ninety three point three CMFU Radio. Give us a little bit of, uh, about, tell us a bit of, a bit about your experience, sorry, um, about the Olympic Village. Yeah, like I said, I'd been in villages before, so uh, I knew what to expect. Um, one of the interesting things in the village is that it's kind of a freak show. Um, you know, multi-sport, multi-sport uh, events, you get uh, people in different sports you know, different, different sporting environments. You get body types of basically everything you can imagine of almost ages, every of all age groups because of different sports. So, so I was saying like, you get like the four fit, four feet tall, you know, 14 year old gymnasts or, or, and then you get like an archery athlete who's like much older middle age, or you get a shot putter who's a gigantic human being or a basket professional basketball player, volleyball player. And they're all just walking around. You know, if you take a moment to look, you're like, this is just a big group of misfits. Like, <laughs> like we, we it's just a know. random crowd. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would say I'm somewhere, you know, in the middle average, you know, five eleven like normal <laughs> build. Right. But then you get certain sports like high jump where they look like string beans and it's just like, <laughs> so, so there's that. And it, it, the, I think one of the last days after track was done. So it was, it was at the very end, I was walking back from the cafeteria and, uh, 
uh, I noticed there was this crowd looking up at one of the buildings, and I was like, oh, what's going on? People are taking pictures. And I look up, and Usain Bolt standing out there on the balcony with a bottle of rum in one hand, a boombox <laughs> in the other, and he's wearing all of his medals. And it's wow. like him and the other Jamaican athletes, and they're all, they're, you know, booming like soca music and just dancing away and uh, it, it, drinking rum. And I'm like, man, that is so classic. Like, what? That's just perfect. Like, I, that couldn't I, I get can vividly picture that. <laughs> it was awesome. And, and, and the guy I mentioned, David Rudisha, was also on the street at the same time, very humble, like talking to a, a few other athletes quietly. And, you know, he's my hero. Obviously, Usain Bolt is a big deal. But I was right. like, wow, David Rudisha, he's like just having quiet conversation over here, world record holder. And here you have another world record holder, drinking rum, boombox, dancing away. And That's I was like, incredible. Different cultures, man, different cultures. So I guess it's safe to say that uh, Usain Bolt is not humble. <laughs> I think everyone knows that. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to verify. <laughs> So uh, you had mentioned that there was a, another story in regards to a famous Canadian band. Can you can you take us through oh that? Boy, yeah. Uh, every celebrity I encountered uh, through the Olympic experience, uh, the encounters were all embarrassing ones on my part. The uh, shortly after my race, uh, a few days later, we went to the Canada House, which is where you know Canadian athletes and and you know anyone associated with the team would go hang out. And uh, it was a big night, lots of people there, having a good time. And I was sitting around, and uh, I'm talking to this guy, and we were talking about track. He was, seemed interested, and, and, uh, and I looked at him, I was like, oh, man, I realized something. I'm like, I asked him, hey, has anyone ever told you you look just like the guy from the Bare Naked Ladies? And I was talking to these two guys, and, and he just turned, and he, he basically start, started ignoring me. Ah, we were having a great conversation. What, what happened? I zoned out for a sec, came back, and I was like, wait, uh, sorry, did, does anyone ever told you that? And he's like, looks at me, obviously upset. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm done with this conversation, he says to me. And I'm like, well, okay. And I looked did at I his friend. Did I say something to a Yeah, <laughs> I looked at his friends. I got nothing. So I was like, okay, well, you know, and I moved awkward. on. Yeah, it was really awkward. And then, and then maybe like 40 minutes later, somewhere else, like at Canada House, some, someone says to me, oh, what a great night. You know the bare naked ladies are here, and I was like, "No, <laughs> no way, no." That was him. Spoiler alert. I couldn't. I was like, "That no, I love that band." What? Well, how did I? But I mean, I'm just thinking of like the late '90s bare naked ladies, obviously, and that was the picture I had in my mind. And you know, that was t- like it was 15 years before, so I, I guess I just uh, didn't factor the age into it, you know, in my yeah. brain. So yeah, it was embarrassing. That's just, incredible. uh, just wanted to circle back on Usain Bolt for one second. Okay. Uh, Cause obviously, you know, he's, he, he's a, an Olympic medalist, gold medalist, I should say fastest man in the world. Did you ever get a chance to beat him at the games? Uh, I never met him. Uh, he, at the world championships, I saw him and at the Olympics, I saw him and uh, you know, he's just, he's an impressive figure, you know, yeah. big guy. And he, I remember he was just doing some warm up strides and he ran by me and, uh, and it was just like, you, you, the sound whoosh, like it literally, really? it was just like, Whoa, that dude's fast. <laughs> and I mean, it's not like I haven't seen sprinters before, but he's, he's just like an outlier physically. Right. So, you know, it's like a horse galloping by almost. And, yeah. uh, yeah. And th- when Usain Bolt runs by you, you, you notice Right. That that was the experience. Yeah. You said the same thing about me quite often <laughs> when I run by you. 
like a horse galloping by. Oh, like wheeling a tire down a hill. That's what <laughs> I can only imagine. Like, you know, you see him on TV, but standing next to him or, or warming up next to him. How crazy of a feeling that must be. So we're, we have a couple minutes left, and I just wanted to ask you about uh, another couple stories that you had mentioned that uh, that you encountered at the Olympic Games with some other, I guess, sports figures. Do you want to quickly run by one of those? Yeah, we, we all got invited to an Argonauts game, and uh, we were in the box sitting around watching, and, and P.K. Subban was also there. Uh, this was shortly after he got traded to Nashville. And I was just so, mom, dad, it's PK. Oh my God. So I got to go talk to him. I, I'm going to introduce myself. So I like walk over and he notices me. And the first, I'm just like, this is not a good idea. Cause he just gave me the eyes. Like, don't talk to me right now. <laughs> but I was already right in front of him. It's like, uh, Hey PK, uh, uh, I'm a huge Habs fan. And he just stared at me and I was like, okay. It's so funny <laughs> that you say that though, Romanu, because I've, I've seen him around a few times Hess Village in Hamilton. I've even seen him at Real Sports Bar, and I've had that same kind of encounter with him. Oh. Like I felt like he didn't want to talk me, talk to me, or chat with me. Fair enough. Don't meet your heroes. <laughs> so I, I, the, the third story was uh, at another. Uh, there was another like thing in Ottawa for the Olympians, and and uh, uh, Eugenie Bouchard was there, and she was sitting at this table by herself. I guess any everyone. Anyways, I went over, sat next to her. Hey, uh, yeah, I keep you company like well you know <laughs> and, and it was fine and then i said something like uh oh yeah you know like my ex-girlfriend was a huge fan <laughs> no way <laughs> smooth oh, and man. she's like oh, i have man. to go to the bathroom and then really yeah <laughs> that was it that was and then someone so i felt like such a big shot for the first five seconds and then and then it was uh, oh i scared her away darn uh someone took a picture and was like look at roman you're talking to genie bouchard what a guy do you wow. ever circle yeah. back and, and think about a different intro <laughs> Like what? what could I, I like what else could you have broken the ice with? I'm uh, I'm an architect. <laughs> Art Vandelay. <laughs> Art Vandelay. Uh, I I stay up at night every night thinking about things I could have done differently, Brian. Especially that moment. So in terms of uh, thinking late at night, um, what do you think's next to you? What's what's next for you? Um, I am still training, and I still I want to make the Tokyo Olympics. So that's uh, that's what I'm working towards right now. Uh, not much has changed in my life, although I did ma- recently make the move from Guelph to Hamilton. So I'm I'm back here. Um, When's your next big race? I got a race in Vancouver on June 20th, and um, so that you know, looking forward to that. Um, and then national championships late July, uh, and then there's the world championships in at the end of September, early October in Doha, Qatar this year. Right on, man. Uh, CFMU, 93.3 Mac Radio. We're here with Anthony Romanu, almost wrapping up our, our conversation. So, Anthony, you know, are you training today? Are you doing some training today? I've got my workout gear on. Yeah, I noticed. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I can't stop looking at the size of your legs. Like it's 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 impressive, and it's uh, it's no shock that you're that you're a runner, man. I'll I'll let you uh, I'll let you come touch you, them after. You you need to start training me because I need to I need to make my legs look like that and my soccer game. Um, you got to start. It's much those kids improved. In your classes, man. <laughs> yeah. Train for those kids. Yeah. <laughs> One thing I wanted to point for uh, point out. There have been some interviews in the past where Anthony has stated that he was a great badminton player. I do <laughs> want to say I have beat him in the past. 
That's my claim to fame against so the Olympian. So re- you wrestled him to the floor and beat him in badminton. It's 2-1 Brian. <laughs> uh, I actually have a winning streak on Brian currently in badminton. He does. Uh, I'm back too. I think I had about 30 straight games, and then we played a couple years ago, and he's won two in a row against me down at D-back. have not beat him since. I've been avoiding him. Anthony, when you work out, just invite me. I'll shout slogans at you. Yeah, please. Please. Um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, you know, I remember, uh, we actually went to, to high school. Yeah, uh, St. Thomas Romano. And I always remember, um, you know, hearing, we talked earlier how you were like the fastest kid in school. I always heard, you know, Anthony Romano, fastest, fastest kid in, you know, at, at McMaster, or not McMaster, at uh, St. Thomas More. And it, you know, what always sticks out to me is I remember, um, I remember the soccer coach for our senior team, uh, Perry, was always like, we should get Romanu, you know, on the soccer team to cover you know, the other team's fastest and best runners. And uh, I did play soccer. That was my job. So that's like, that's, did you, did you actually play soccer as the, well? Uh, that was, I was a defenseman and they that was that's all I could do. Oh, man, Just stick with that you. striker. We could have used you in senior. I know Dino loved recruiting me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, thirty minutes just isn't enough time with with someone Not like enough. Anthony Romani. We honestly feel like we could have went on for another hour and a half. But I think we should wrap up. Uh, we do want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts for joining us on our first show again on ninety three point three CFMU. It was an honor to have you. I still have a million questions I did want to ask you. I'm sure these guys do as well, but. It was awesome to get into your upbringing, your Rio experience, a lot of your, a lot of your other uh, running accomplishments, and, and just getting to talk to you as, as a person. So we, we truly do appreciate that. Yeah, thanks and good luck with everything. You guys are a bunch of beauties. Thanks for having me. You're a beauty. Any last uh, words you want to, uh, to bring in here in the last 30 seconds? Go for a run. It's fun. I can go for a run. It's terrible for your knees. Go do it. It's great. I try and stretch as, as much <laughs> as I possibly can. It still does nothing for me, but... Uh, in any case, I'm sure we'll have you back on again. Uh, you're fantastic as a guest. You're a really interesting individual to talk to. So, again, we, we truly do thank you. Thanks, Romano. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.